0: Would you guys pray with me? God, that's our prayer today. Um, We pray that we would have faith to believe that you're calling us, um, each and every one of us, by our name. God, because you know us. And I pray today that we would seek to know you in that way, that we would know you as you've disclosed yourself through your word, through the Bible. Um, We know that it is, God, we want to believe that it is here to speak to us today, that you have a word for each and every one of us. So would you help us to hear it, God? Your servants are listening. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So you guys can grab a seat. Joel and Grace are going to pass some stuff out. And if you want to grab a Bible from that corner, I would encourage you to do so. Because the series is aptly named. We would like you guys to open your Bibles. So go ahead and grab a Bible. All right, friends. So if you don't know me, my name is William Boris Bacher. You can call me... Boris. Walker. So you can call me that, or you can call me Will. Will is a lot shorter. Either way, it's cool. So today, friends, if you have been with us, we're in a series called Open Your Bible. So hopefully everyone has one of these little sheets and a pen. If not, you can raise your hand. Um, and today, uh, we're going to get into what the Bible is. But before we get there, um, when I was, when I was younger, I love stories, and people who know me, know, that know me well, know this about me, right? It's something that just is kind of like deep in who I am, and it's because some of my earliest memories, uh, some of my best memories are my mom reading the Harry Potter books to my sister and I, so um, I have such fond memories of that, because my mom was a good sport, and she made up different voices for all the characters, so if she was Hagrid, she'd like to talk all deep. And it was just so much fun for me. The stories came alive. And I meant to bring some of my books today. I forgot because I was up very early. Uh, But did any of you guys read other books when you were a kid like uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? Anyone read that one? None of the books for Jack. You know what I'm talking about. What about Where the Wild Things Are? Anyone? Yeah, okay. Percy Jackson. I heard Andrew say that's another one of my favorites. Um, Harry Potter. (laughs) Um. All right, so uh, I love those stories, and I took that with me as I kept growing up in high school. I would reread these books all the time, and that was when the movie started coming out. And I would start to analyze some of the deeper themes. If you guys don't know, Harry Potter is full of, like, really cool symbolism and lots of spiritual stuff, which is really cool. So it's full of themes of, like, light and darkness, good versus evil, love versus hatred, right? And that's, like, a lot of stuff I've found in it. There are plenty of other things in there. Um, But I loved reading those books and analyzing the themes. And so when I got to college, I was like, okay, so what am I going to study, right? And I was like, well, I already read books all the time. So I might as well just keep doing that. Uh, So that's why I became an English major. And so I was just reading novels all the time. That was what I did all day, every day. And so I got to analyze the deeper themes in these books while I was at school. So that was really awesome because I got to do what I loved. And there was this one time when I was on spring break. and. Normally, when you're on spring break, you guys don't want to do any reading, right? You don't want to, like, you know, put all your school stuff down. But I actually chose to read a book of my own free will that wasn't assigned for class. Free will. but um, uh, um, That is my name. And it was a book called East of Eden by an author named John Steinbeck. He wrote The Grapes of Wrath, which some of you might have read. But East of Eden is this epic story about generations of a family. And it's got all this cool spiritual symbolism in it. And I want to read you guys a quote because I think Steinbeck is touching on something much deeper in this book and what a lot of these stories I think are touching on. It says this, we have only one story. All novels, all poetry are built on the never ending contest in ourselves of good and evil. I think that's super cool because a lot of Netflix originals, a lot of books, a lot of shows, a lot of movies in our culture are getting at something deeper, right? They're asking these big questions of, like, who are we as people? Why are we here? What's going on with this whole life thing, right? And um, so we're going to talk today about the Bible, which is good. Open your Bible. But specifically about why the Bible, this book that you're holding, if you are holding a Bible right now, why it's different than something like Harry Potter or a movie or just something made up to entertain us, why it's something so much Better than that, and why a lot of the stories in our culture are really getting at something that I think the Bible has as its core truths. So, we're going to talk today specifically about what the Bible is. And we're going to start with a big one. This is super important. Uh, And uh, we're going to also talk today about how the Bible is like this chair. And I just hit it. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) Don't hit the Bible. So today we're going to start by talking about how the Bible is true. I hope this works. I got some weird yellow tape. So, <laughs> so the Bible is true. If it falls off, it's okay. Just, just keep going for it. So our culture today is one that is obsessed with the truth. right? We want facts. We want empirical evidence. Can you prove it to me? How are you going to demonstrate it? We want statistics. right? That's we, we get that a lot in our culture. We want those things. And... We also are a culture which is kind of confusing when you put these two things next to each other. We're also a culture that's all about finding your own truth, right? Maybe you've heard that phrase before. Um, finding your own truth. So there's no, th- they don't like, we, a lot of people in our culture don't like this idea of like an absolute truth or an overarching thing that's true for everyone. So we, all, we value this empirical truth, this demonstrable, this evidence, these facts, but we also value this pursue your own truth, live your own truth, that kind of idea, right? So those two things, so you might have heard that term before truth, and it kind of depends like, what do, you, what do we mean when we say that? Because there's a lot of ways that we could define it. So what we're going to talk about the Bible as being true is, first of all, that sorry, I going to move this over It's true because it contains records of things that have actually happened, right? Demonstrated OK, so these people were some of them were historians. They wrote this stuff down. They were there when Jesus did these things, when he said these things. So it's a demonstratable truth, right? Something that people witnessed, something that they saw happen. But more importantly, and I think that this one is going to be up on the screen for you guys, the Bible is true because it testifies to the one who is the truth. The Bible is true because it points forward and testifies to the reality of Jesus as both divine and human. It shows God's plan to redeem and save humanity and creation. It's true because it testifies to the truth, who is Jesus. So if you guys have been following along with us, we handed out these bookmarks with verses for every day of the week. Uh, If you haven't, you don't have one, you lost it already, we have more of them, you should grab one. But uh, the verses for this week, uh, for today, are going to be the ones that you guys would have read this week. And the idea here is for you guys to actually get into the Bible, to open it yourself. So I'm going to have some of my friends reading these verses out today. Sarah's going to read the first one for us. It's found in 2 Peter, if you want to flip there you can, 2 Peter chapter 1. And Sarah's gonna read it out for us, so listen up. This is the word of the Lord. We did not so what Peter's talking about there is he's saying, okay, this isn't made up, right? These aren't just stories. I was there, right? The two things he's referencing are the baptism of Jesus, right? And uh, this thing that we call the transfiguration, which is a really cool story that we don't have time to get into. But these are things that Peter witnessed. He saw this with his own eyes. That is true to Peter because he was there. He witnessed it. He wrote it down. And it's also true because... God was the one who ultimately inspired the writers of Scripture, right? So whether it's Paul or Peter or Luke, whoever is writing these things down, God is the one who is inspiring them to write the truth about himself. So we know that it's true because, one, it was real, it was recorded, people witnessed it, and because God himself, the truth, is the one that's inspiring the writers of Scripture. So those are a couple ways that we can talk about Scripture being true. So the Bible is true. The Bible is also enough. I don't know if you guys can all see that. The Bible is enough. Oh, wait, I did the wrong one. Oh, no. It's like the Bible is also enough, but right now the Bible is complete. So hang on to that enough one for later because it's still true. So the Bible, if you guys don't know, contains 66 books written by 40 primary authors, and it was written over a period of 1,500 years, from when the first thing would have been written to the very last thing that would have been written. And all these authors were inspired by God to record the history of Israel, all the things that led up to the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and on to the advancement of the gospel. Right, And so I don't know if you guys know how hard it is to get even just like a small group of people in sync, something to have like kind of the same mindset. Adam's going to throw a picture up here. This is some synchronized swimming and this is like the best picture I could find. I don't know what, what's going on here but <laughs> like I bet that's really hard right to be on the same page to come out of the water at the same moment like what if you did like your, your other arm or something right. So just doing that alone I'm sure is super difficult. You could take that down because um, <laughs> yeah synchronized swimming but <laughs> Imagine how hard it would be, right, to assume that the 40 primary authors of scripture that we know of, um, there could be more, right, but the 40 that we're confident about that wrote the Bible, um, that they're over this this period of history, how how can we imagine that they were all on the same page, that they all had the same thing in mind, right? For me, the only way that that's possible is if they were being divinely inspired by God to tell his story because otherwise they would have had no way to communicate to each other if they're writing at different points in time. So as the Bible was assembled um, by these different authors and things, um, there was books that people thought should go in to the Bible, because we assembled it from these different collections, these different writings, these different authors. And there was a point where we had to say, okay, what's going in? What do we think is divinely inspired by God? What do we think is the truth of the Bible? and what needs to be left out, what's not true, what's not something that was inspired by God. And so there are these uh, criteria, these things that people used to say, okay, this is how we know that something is going to be, have been inspired by God. It, ha- it doesn't have to be all four of these, but these are the four ways that people determined if something was going to go into the Bible or not, and how we know that it's complete. It's not lacking anything. So number one, was the church using it? Was the early church the church that we hear about in the book of Acts as well as the places that Paul planted his churches in Philippi in Ephesus and Corinth, were, were those churches circulating the different books of the Bible? Were they already using them? Were they reading them in their church meetings? That was the first way. Second way, who wrote it? We talked about this a little bit already. Were they someone that witnessed some of these things happening? Were they a disciple like Peter writing these things down? Were they... A friend of Paul's, like Luke, who is with him throughout everything that was happening in Acts. Can we trust the person who wrote these things? Do we know who wrote it? Number three, did Jesus see it as scripture? That's a big one, right? That's an obvious one, because there are times when we're going to hear Cassie read from the book of Psalms in just a second, but Jesus himself quoted the book of Psalms, right? So if Jesus is quoting something, the church is confident this is inspired by God. Jesus saw it as authoritative. And number four, when was it written? That matters because there were all kinds of people claiming that certain books should go into the Bible and said, oh, okay, there's." so for instance, this is one that you might have heard of, you might not. There was a book called The Gospel of Thomas that people said, oh, that's Thomas, the apostle of Jesus, one of the 12 disciples, right? That has to go in there. But it's dated to 200 years after Thomas would have been alive. So we know, okay, that couldn't have been him, right? Like if 200 years into the future, there's some dude named Will Bacher popping up on Twitter... Um, tweeting out a bunch of stuff, you know that's not really me. If you're around in 200 years, you know, you're going to know that's not really me. <laughs> so those were four of the ways. And so as they assembled this, what we call the canon of scripture, which is a super cool word, um, the canon of scripture, we know that it's complete. We know that the full story is there because we measured it with these standards, right? And we know that it contains the full story. And so another way that we know this is by letting scripture testify to itself. Because we believe it's the word of God. And so we're going to hear now the word of God read from Cassie in Psalm chapter 19. If you wanna, we're going to do a lot of flipping. So if you don't get there in time, that's okay. Yeah. Psalm 19 verse 7. So hear the word of the Lord from Cassie. so every time you hear like the word law or precept or any of those words in there it's just talking about scripture in general but the phrase i want us to focus on is that it says the law of the lord is perfect so again that's how we know because scripture is testifying to itself there and i'm gonna have a quote up here from a a theologian that i really liked so uh, it says this you do not need another special revelation from god outside the bible you can listen to the voice of god every day Christ still speaks because the Spirit has already spoken. If you want to hear from God, go to the book that records only what he has said. Immerse yourself in the word of God. You will not find anything more sure. So there are other religions out there, like Mormonism, for example, that said they claim that the Bible as we have it, the Old and New Testaments, is incomplete. right? And that's where things like the Book of Mormon came in. And they said, okay, this is like the New Testament of God. This is the next step. This is further revelation. And in the New Testament itself, in books like 2 Peter and in 1 and 2 Timothy, the authors of those books are warning about people like false teachers, false prophets, that are going to come and say, oh, this is a new addition to Scripture. This is like a new word from the Lord. And now we know, okay, no, there is no further revelation. Everything that we need to know is contained in what we have as the Bible So that's how we know that the Bible is complete. So the Bible is also, make sure I get the right one here, yep, living and active, living and active. So we're going to hear the word of the Lord read by Connor. This is Hebrews 4.12. You don't have to flip there. It's just one verse, but if you want to, you can. The word of the Lord from Connor. So what does it mean exactly when it says that the word of the Lord is living and active? I think first and foremost, it means that, I I don't know, a lot of times like growing up, what I thought about the Bible before I was serious about my faith was that it was an old book. uh, It was kind of dusty, right? Maybe your grandparents had one of those like huge Bibles that like sat in their study. Like my grandparents had that. And it was cool. I think it's cool now. But back then I was like, oh, it's just like an old book. And a lot of the words that you'll hear thrown around when people talk about the Bible is, like, old, irrelevant, right? That it has nothing to say to your life today. The fact that Scripture here is saying that it's living and active means that that is not true, right? That Scripture still has something to say to you today. And I've had several verses that I've read in my lifetime or that were read to me that I just knew. I knew that God was speaking directly to me in that moment because... It was just, you hear a verse sometimes, right? Whether it's read or it pops up on your phone as the verse of the day or whatever. And you're like, that is exactly the situation I'm in, right? This is the thing that I'm feeling. This is the moment that I'm in. And you know that God is speaking directly to you. Uh, There was a time when I was in middle school, went to a camp called Camp Dunamis. And that was where I first met Jesus, where I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. But before that, I was wrestling through a lot of things um, when... Both sets of my grandparents, my mom's parents, and my dad's parents had all passed away within a few months of each other. And so I was, I was younger, and I didn't really have a good understanding of, of God quite yet. And so I was blaming God for this. I was upset, and I just didn't, you know, I wasn't ready to, like, oh, how does God love me? Right, like, what's up with that? Because I was working through this grief, and I was blaming God for what happened. Until the counselor that I was talking through all this with pulled out their Bible— and they read the verse to me, 7th grade me, that Zach is going to read for us right now. This is in Ezekiel chapter 18. Hear the word of the Lord, read by Zach. So God says, I take no pleasure in the death of anyone. And so even though I, was, I wasn't sure if I bought that quite yet, I was, okay. No, like, let me think about that. And I realized, like through that verse as I was processing it, that while I was grieving, God was grieving with me. He, he did not look at me sad and take joy in that. That because I was sad, because I was feeling sorrow, that He was feeling that also. God was with me. And even though I was still working through a lot of that, I knew that God was in control. So it challenges us, right? It speaks to us. It's alive in the sense that, like, when Joel was talking to us about being bold in our faith, He was reading verses to us that were challenging us, calling us to be more bold in our faith. So it's acting upon our lives. The word of God is living and active. And now, the one that I put on before, (laughs) um, the Bible is enough. It's still enough. So I think, just like seventh grade me, if you would have told me that the Bible was enough, I would have been offended. I think that's an offensive statement in our culture today, to say, that the Bible is enough. A lot of people wouldn't wouldn't buy that. They wouldn't think that that's true. And at one point in my life, I thought that. I felt that. But, yeah, it's, it's like, so are my problems? Is everything in my life, like, is all that in, invalidated just by saying, oh, yeah, the Bible's enough. Like, just go read this verse. Um, I don't think that that's true. But I think it stems from a misunderstanding of the way that we use Scripture. I think that sometimes when we go to Scripture, we use it like we use candy. So, Maybe I'm craving some Sour Patch watermelons, um, or maybe some Skittles, which apparently all taste the same. I just learned that today. Um, maybe I want a Snickers bar. Um, and then that, that's kind of how we approach scripture, right? So yeah, okay, I want some verses that if I'm struggling with anxiety, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to read some verses about struggling with anxiety, about how God is there for me, about how I give all my cares to the Lord. I got them. So I got, that's that's done. I got my sweet tooth. Anyone else feel like they need some, okay? Here you go. Wow. Oh, no. I saw one of your hands first. You guys can share. So maybe I'm feeling down. You know, like seventh grade, seventh grade me was feeling down. I needed, I needed some verses that were going to console me. If you want the candy, you got to hear me out. So, I was feeling, these are really chewy. I was feeling down. I needed some verses that were going to make me feel better, that were going to console me. Need some pills. There you go. Share those. It's family size. So, seniors, I'm going to give this to one of the seniors because they got some big decisions coming up. So maybe they're going to seek some wisdom. Maybe they're going to look in Proverbs. Okay, I have some decisions to make about where to go to college. There's two Snickers bars. You can share them. Share them. You and Chloe. So that's kind of how we treat friends. We'll share the candy. It's okay. Who wants? I have two skittles though. I'll eat them. Okay. Um, So that's how we come to the Bible, right? We we have a particular craving, we have a sweet tooth, and okay, once I get my fix for that, okay, that's gonna make me feel better about my anxiety. Then I'm gonna put my Bible down, right? But that's like just like candy. Oh, I forgot that was there. Just like candy, if that's how we use the Bible, that's not, that's not nutritious. We're not getting a lot of like, health benefits from that. A lot of times reading the Bible, for those of us who read it regularly, if you read it regularly, you know this. It's a lot more like eating vegetables. It's like eating kale or broccoli or spinach. You can pick a vegetable that you like because vegetables are good and they're good for you. But it takes a lot of work to work through reading scripture regularly, just like it's kind of hard to eat your vegetables, but you know that that's working through your system, that's giving you these nutritional benefits, right? That's really what reading scripture is like. So the Bible's not like candy, right? It's not just there to give you what you think you need in a particular moment. Even though it can speak to you in a particular moment, we're meant to be reading it like in all seasons, right? That we're meant to be reading it Like, we're having a nutritious, like, balanced diet. You can have candy. You can have something that's going to help your particular situation. But it's there for all situations in your life, right? And God's word is enough primarily because the one who gives it is infinitely enough. And that's going to be on your sheet there. God is the source of all truth. He's inexhaustible. And God's word is our provision. It's our nutrition. It's our daily bread. That's how we're meant to see it. So this next verse, this last verse that we're going to read today, I'm going to read this one out for you guys. Um, It is for those of you who are doubting if God's word is enough for you. It's for those who are thinking that they're not enough for God's word. It's for if you're hungry or tired, it's for you right now. So would you hear the word of the Lord spoken through the prophet of Isaiah who is speaking to you still today? Not the prophet Isaiah, God. Cool. Let's see what verse I started. So you can trust like a chair, yeah? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. All right. So Isaiah chapter 55. Come all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And you who delight in the richest affair, come uh, sorry, and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. This is the word of the Lord, and it's for you. Thanks be to God, genuinely. Give it up for God. All right, friends, so I'm going to pray for us. So would you guys pray with me, and would you trust that the word of the Lord is enough? It is living and active, it is complete, and it is true. Would you know those things, and would you open your Bibles this week? Let's pray. God, uh, we love you so much. Um, We know that you have so much to say to us. We just have to open our Bibles, and we, we trust that you will speak to us. Whether it's a truth that we need to hear right now in our lives for a particular situation, or whether it's just a truth for all time, or whether it's something we need to tell a friend, Um, God, you are speaking to us each and every day uh, through worship, through your scripture, which is living and active, God. And we can't wait to dig more into that as we continue in this series, God. We love you, and it's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Thanks, guys.